Before we start do not forget to download the text. The link is located in the description of this audio. It contains important photos for you to understand the context. Please repeat this short prayer aloud, so that God may grant you the same wisdom and understanding He has given me. Heavenly Father, I cancel, in the spiritual realm, any distortion of what I am reading or hearing. I seek revelation, guiding me to understand everything that is spoken or read. Cleanse my eyes and ears so that I may comprehend everything. Help me successfully complete this content in the name of Jesus. Amen. I understand the challenge of reading the Bible, given its abundant use of metaphors and symbolism. Despite multiple attempts, I found it daunting until I prayed for God to grant me wisdom and understanding. In response, I conducted a study, summarizing human history based on the Bible and ancient history books. All accounts are rooted in facts, evidence, and proof, with no intention to offend or disrespect anyone, but solely to bear witness to the truth. The Bible is the unfolding story of God's plan of salvation, and the Savior is Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In the Old Testament he is quoted, in the Gospels he is revealed, in Acts he is preached, in the Epistles he is explained, in Revelation he is expected. The first word of the Bible is Bereshit, which means at the beginning, and begins with the letter Bet, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the last word is Amen that ends with the letter Nun. When we unite these two letters they form the Hebrew word Ben, which means Son, that is, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, it's all about the Son, it's all about Jesus. After the creation of heaven and the earth and the creation of man, Adam and Eve died spiritually at the same moment they ate of the forbidden fruit, because sin causes spiritual death, Ephesians 2, verse 1, which is the separation from God, Isaiah 59, verse 2. The act of disobedience opened the eyes of Adam and Eve to evil, and brought sin and evil to the world and to their lives. God did not make them to be robots, that is, they had a choice, because without free will, there would be no true love. Whenever a creature said to God, I love you, it would be saying simply because it was programmed to say that. Following their expulsion from the Garden of Eden, God decreed consequences for Adam and Eve's disobedience. It was declared that all their descendants would face death as punishment, and women would experience the intense pain of childbirth. This disobedience marked the point at which Satan gained influence on earth. Prior to this, Adam and Eve were pure and lacked knowledge of evil. The entry of sin into the human race at this juncture has lasting repercussions, as the effects of sin, inherited from Adam, persist to this day, leading to continual suffering. Genesis 3:15. 15 And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The offspring of the woman refers to Jesus Christ, who was born of a woman. The enmity or hostility and hatred spoken of here is between Satan and Christ. The seed of the serpent, evil men and demonic forces, struck at the heel of the Savior when Judas, the Pharisees, the rabble, and the Romans, conspired to condemn Jesus to be crucified but his wound was not the final act. He rose the third day, having paid the price for the sin of all who would ever believe in him. The ultimate victory was his, and he crushed the head of Satan, removing forever his rule over man. This shows us that God always had the plan of salvation in mind, and informed us of his plan as soon as sin entered the world. 1 John 3-8 8 The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Do you know why God made woman from man's rib? Medicine explains that the ribs are bones connected to the spine, 
meaning that while the spine keeps a body upright, the ribs, linked to the spine, serve to protect vital organs. God made woman from man's rib because the woman's role is to keep a man upright and protect his vitality. Notice that when Eve was well, Adam was standing. However, when Eve heard the voice of the serpent, both fell because to have a successful and upright man, there needs to be a rib and a woman protecting that man's vitality. But the word, rib, also means, side, which means that God made woman from the side of man. The Bible says that a woman should be submissive to a man, but submission doesn't mean slavery. It means standing by each other in the same mission. God took a side of man to create woman because a man without a woman is entirely incomplete. That's why men and women get married. They become one flesh, the two sides come together and become one. Cain killed Abel, and his descendants became evil, and they forgot about God, so the Lord decided to end all humankind through a flood. Note. One of the proofs is that there is marine limestone on top of Mount Everest, and it was also the first time God used water to cleanse the evil from humankind. The second time was with baptism. There was a man descended from Seth, Enoch, Methuselah, who lived for 969 years, and Lamech. His name was Noah. He was the only one who was still God-fearing, so God decided to spare him and gave him a task, to build an ark before the flood comes. He obeyed God, made it and saved all the animals and his family. Noah spent more than 150 days in the ark until he found dry land. After this, God made an alliance with Noah and promised never to eliminate humankind again with a flood, he placed his rainbow in the clouds as proof of his promise, and Noah began a new succession through Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah planted a vineyard, and he got drunk. Ham saw him naked and laughed at his father. Noah then cursed him, claiming that Ham and his descendants would be slaves to his brothers. Note. The Noah's Ark was rebuilt by many builders in partial, reduced, and full scale, an ark replica would have to be somewhere in the range from about 135 to upward of 150 meters long, 440 to 500 plus feet. Johan's Ark in Dordrecht, Netherlands. It was done in 2012 at 137 meters 450 feet long. This is the only full-scale ark interpretation that is floating and mobile. Noah's Ark Theme Park at Mawan Island, Hong Kong. This interpretation is also 137 meters for 50 feet long and was completed in December 2008. Ark Encounter Theme Park is located on a hill in Grant County, Kentucky, United States. It was opened in 2016 and it's 155 meters 510 feet long. Ham begot Cush, who married Semiramis. She is mentioned in the Bible as the Queen of Heaven, in the ancient books of paganism, and more than 80 writers of antiquity. They generated Nimrod, the first grand warrior on earth. At that time, the people feared that God would send another flood, so they built a tower too high for the waters to reach and named it the Tower of Babel. It was built of burnt brick, cemented with mortar, made a bitumen that might not be liable to admit water. Cush had died, and Semiramis started a relationship with Nimrod, who died years later. She spread a lie and said that Nimrod had not died but had gone to heaven. She said that Nimrod had ascended to the sun and became a god, and she changed his name to Baal, Ninus. However, because Semiramis committed incest, she was pregnant with her son Nimrod. 
To hide her betrayal, she lied again, saying that her son was the reincarnation of Nimrod and that she became pregnant with his spirit, and then she said that her son Tammuz was the reincarnated sun god, Google, Saul Invictus, Ezekiel 8 12, 14, and from this, the paganism was born. During the Roman Empire, the date set for the sun god's birthday was December 25. Note. Paganism or polytheism is when someone worships other gods, statues, portraits, pictures, or any image that impersonate a god. This is also called idolatry, a very common practice to this day, and that the only god repudiates. Also from that point, the first idea of reincarnation came up. Note. It was proven by science using an intra machine. To calculate the strength of one brick, the burn bricks cause the clay particles to stick together, and they are way stronger. They can sustain 6,000 pounds, so it proves that the Tower of Babel could have been reached easily two miles high, well up to the heavens with fired brick, as the Bible said. Samiramis was creating a mystery religion, and with Satan's help, she set herself up as a goddess, known by many different names such as, Ishtar, Ashtoreth, Astarte, Asherah. Judges chapter 2 verse 13. Tammuz was a hunter like Nimrod, and a wild animal probably killed him. His body was found slumped over a rotten tree trunk, and people started to question her, but how can a god die? She said he didn't die, just returned to his place of origin, after all, the sun was still shining. Samiramis said some of his blood fell on the stump of an evergreen tree, and the stump grew into a completely new tree overnight. This made the evergreen tree sacred by the blood of Tammuz. The 40 days of Lent were picked as one day for each year of his life. Since he died at the age of 40, she proclaimed this period of fast and sorrow, and during this time, no meat could be ingested. After Tammuz's death, she claimed herself the mother of God and the queen of heaven. Jeremiah 44-1929 Every year, on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox, a celebration was held. It was Ishtar's Sunday and was celebrated with rabbits and eggs. They celebrated by making cakes for Ishtar, getting drunk, and participating in sexual orgies and prostitution in the temple of Ishtar. Here, we gained the habit of roasting hot buns in the form of a cross. Women were required to celebrate the conception of Tammuz by lying down in the temple and having sex with whoever entered. The man was required to leave them money. Babies were sacrificed in honor of these pagan gods, and the worshippers consumed their blood. The priest would sacrifice infants, human babies, take the eggs of Yoster, Ishtar as symbols of fertility, and dye them in the blood of the sacrificed infants. The Easter eggs would hatch on December 25, the same day her son Tammuz the reincarnate sun god, would be reborn. This is where the practice of coloring, Easter eggs, came from. Later, they changed the name of the goddess Yoster to Easter. Isaiah 57-55 You burn with lust among the oaks and under every spreading tree. You sacrifice your children in the ravines and under the overhanging crags. Jeremiah 7-17-18-17 Do you not see what they are doing in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? 18 The children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the dough and make cakes to offer to the Queen of Heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods to arouse my anger. Also, every year, it was common for people to go out and put a gift under a pine tree on the winter solstice, December 25, 
as an offering to Tammuz, Nimrod or to take a pine tree into the house or temples and adorn it with balls of gold and silver, as a symbol of Tammuz's rebirth. The tree was like an altar, where the offerings and gifts to the sun god were placed. Garlands of greenery were also hung on the doors of homes as emblems of the sun. Every good sun worshipper had a round wreath on the door of their home. The use of holly and making wreaths of laurel branches twisted into a circle symbolized the sun. Nimrod was associated with greenery, worshipped as the sun idol. After he was killed, the wreaths made into round solar shapes were emblems of him. The color red was also symbolic of the sun, bringing to mind heat. That is why the combination of green and red is on the Christmas theme. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 343 For the practices of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. For they adorn it with silver and gold, they fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter. 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 1010 They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 232 Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills and under every spreading tree, where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. 3. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and burn their Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. The Babylonians had to make the T-sign in front of their hearts. When they worshipped the sun god, the sign of the cross was therefore used as a magical sacred symbol to ward off evil. As the symbol of the great divinity, the mystic Tau was called, the sign of life, it was used as an amulet over the heart. Then Nimrod, father, Samiramis, mother, and Tammuz, son, formed the holy family. Everybody worshipped them and continued the construction of the Tower of Babel. When God saw that they acted so madly, he caused a tumult among them by producing in them diverse languages and causing that, through the multitude of those languages, they should not be able to understand one another. So all of them migrated to other places, and the holy family was called different names. In Egypt, they were called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. In Greece, they were called Zeus, Aphrodite, and Eros, in the Roman Empire were called Jupiter, Venus, and Cupid. In India they were called Brahma, Saraswati and Swayambhuva Manu. Also Shiva, Parvati and Ganesha. Or Vishnu, Lakshmi, and Kamadeva. This may change according to each region, but the trinity is always the same. In Africa Olakun, Yemoja and Orungan, in China they were called Xing Mu, Danghuagong and Ma Supo. In Japan, the Buddhists worship their great divinity, Buddha, with three heads, in the very same form, under the name of, San Pao Fu. Some other places in Mesopotamia were called Enki, Anana, and Dumuzid, or Dagon, Asherah and Baal. Also Ashtoreth and Malik. There are numerous names given to them, but since Tammuz, Nimrod was, one, most worshippers began to use only the image of a woman with her son on her lap, but with other names. Deuteronomy chapter 12. 303230 and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, how do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. 31 you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshipping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. 32 see that you do all I command you, do not add to it or take away from it. Check out the picture in the text. Note. There is not a single word in the scriptures about the precise day of Jesus' birth. 
The only thing that is known is that he was born in Herod's time. There is also nothing in the Bible saying that Jesus' disciples or his followers celebrated his birth, or even asking them to remember him in any other way than by his sacrifice for our sins. Jesus was a Jew and respected the laws of Moses. He came to this world to make a new covenant and rescue lost souls. Satan always attempts to be like the Most High. That was the main reason he was banished from heaven, so he duplicates a redemption story similar to the plan of God with a savior figure, who is the redeemer of mankind. But the worship he institutes is by symbolic representation in physical objects. Christmas became more popular around the 18th to 19th century in Christianity because the Sun Festival has been celebrated for millennia. It's also the most profitable holiday of the year in the world, and some people convey in debt because of it, buying gifts for everyone. Unfortunately, they believe the lies they have been taught without searching for the truth from the Word of God. Luke 2-8 8 And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. In this passage, it is noted that shepherds were tending to their sheep at night. The mention of December prompts the observation that it snows in Israel during that month, making shepherding in the snow impractical. This suggests that Jesus was likely born during a season when the climate allowed for the shepherding of sheep. Although Christmas has nothing to do with Jesus, and has been a pagan festival, since the times of Babylon, this is the only date of the year that all people unite, and remember that our Savior came into the world. So the problem is not to celebrate Jesus, but the way it is done, because objects open spiritual doors inside your house. So, when you decorate your house with the Christmas tree, which was the altar of the sun god, garlands, Santa Claus, etc. These objects may seem harmless, but they are of pagan origin, and it can bring bad things to your life and your home, because they are also part of idolatry. The sacred poles or pillars mentioned in the Bible were male sexual symbols, associated with the sun god Baal in ancient Israel and Osiris in Egypt. The worship of the sacred poles means the cult of the male penis, as it was considered the god of fertility, along with the goddess Asherah, the sacred poles are still erected today, although they are made of stone rather than wood. They are called obelisks, obelisk from the Latin obelisus, meaning spike, generally their symbol is a green tree, but in the absence of that it could be a wooden stake or pole. This is the origin of the obelisks we see in many cities around the world. In the Vatican the obelisk is in the center of St. Peter's Square, in Washington DC in the USA it is the postcard of the city, in Japan. Every year there is the Honensai Matsuri, the fertility festival, whose main attraction is a well-carved post idol in the shape of a male organ, a tribute to the god Matoshi and the goddess Tamahime. Check out the picture in the text, 2 Kings 17 16, 16 And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah pole, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. 2 Kings 21-3 3 For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made an Asherah, as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. Judges 6.30 30 Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath broken down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the Asherah that was by it. Sometime later, all of Mesopotamia was taken by idolatry, but a man caught God's attention, 
His name was Abram, the descendant of Shem and son of Terah. He was from Ur of the Chaldeans, modern-day Iraq. He married his half-sister Sarai and went to Haran, southern Turkey. God had told Abram to leave his country and kindred and go to a land that he would show him, he promised to make of him a great nation, bless him, make his name great, bless them that bless him, and curse them who may curse him. He was 75 years old when he started his journey. He went to Canaan, modern-day Israel, he took his nephew Lot with him. There was a severe famine in the land of Canaan, and they went to Egypt. On the way, Abram told Sarai to say that she was his sister so that the Pharaoh would not kill him and take her as his wife. Pharaoh fell in love with her and took her to the palace, Abram prayed, and God afflicted Pharaoh and his household with plagues, so Pharaoh sent Abram away and gave him many riches. He and Lot returned to Canaan, both had many cattle, and they decided to go separate ways to avoid fights. Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah, and his uncle stayed in Hebron. There was a war called the Battle of Siddim. With the defeat of Sodom and Gomorrah, the people took Lot prisoner, but Abram, with only 18 men and God's help, defeated them. Abram made a covenant with God that promised him the land and descendants as numerous as the stars. Sarai was sterile. Furthermore, she was already 90 years old and could not wait, so she gave her servant Hagar to give her children through her, so Ishmael was born. He is considered by the Muslims the ancestor of the Arab people, and his descendants were called the Ishmaelites. Note. Sarai did not have the patience to wait for God's promise, so she decided to do it in her own way. She gave Hagar as Abram's concubine, and because of this, until today, Muslims are rivals of the Jews. Sometimes we do not know how to wait for God's will, and we want to do everything our way, and we end up bringing a curse to our own life, and also to our descendants. At the age of 99, God reaffirms the promise with Abram and asks for the circumcision of all men and babies to be carried out on the eighth day, which is called the covenant of the pieces. God also changes the names of Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah thus ending Sarah's sterility. Genesis 17, 15-21. 15 And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. 16 And I will bless her and give thee a son also by her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of people shall be of her. 17 Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear? 18 And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. 19 And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. 20 And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. 21 But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. In verse 19 God makes it very clear, so that there is no doubt, that the son of promise is Isaac and not Ishmael, and that the eternal inheritance will be of the descendants of Isaac i.e. of the Jews not of the Arabs. However God states that he would also bless Ishmael but that the land of Canaan that is modern-day Israel would belong to the Jews, making very clear that the Arabs has no rights in that land. The Lord, Jesus, yes, because he already existed before all creation, John 1-1-5 and 8-58, 
and two angels visited Abraham and said Sarah would have a child in a year. Sarah was listening, hidden from the conversation and laughed because she was already too old. So the Lord asked why she laughed as if there was something impossible for God. The Lord also said he would destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because sin had worsened considerably. Abraham was afraid for Lot, so Abraham began to ask if 50 righteous people were there, couldn't the Lord spare them? Or 30, 20, 10, the Lord sent his angels to find some honest people. Lot saw them and asked the angels to spend the night at his house. The situation was so out of control that several men surrounded the house and asked, where were the men who had arrived in the city? We want to have sex with them. Lot then begged the people not to harm them, so they forced the door, and the angels blinded them all. The angels asked Lot to flee with his family and not look back because God would destroy the city. God made rain, sulfur, and fire, but while running Lot's wife looked back, and by disobeying God she turned into a statue of salt. Abraham left for Gerar. When he got there, he was afraid and made the same mistake. He told King Abimelech that Sarah was his sister. She was already pregnant. At that time, kings and pharaohs killed their husbands to stay with their wives, and the king also fell in love with Sarah and took her from Abraham. However, God spoke to the king during a dream and demanded him to return Sarah. The king did it and gave Abraham many treasures, and he prayed for the king and forgave him. After that Isaac was born, Hagar and Ishmael were creating many problems out of Isaac's envy, so Sarah asked Abraham to send them away, he didn't like the idea of sending his son away. But God spoke to him and told him to do as Sarah asked. He also promised that he would give Ishmael a great number of descendants for being Abraham's son. Note. These descendants are all the Muslims, and the fight between the Israelites' descendants of Isaac with them began from there until today. They claim the rights of the land of Israel because Ishmael was the firstborn, but Isaac was the son of God's promise. Genesis 12, 1-3 one the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Two, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Three I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In this passage, God explicitly states that he is granting the land of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants, designating it as their eternal possession. This land eventually became Judea and is now known as Israel. Additionally, God emphasizes that those who support Israel will be blessed, while those who oppose it will face curses. Genesis 21, 10-13. 10 And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. 11 The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. 12 But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 13 I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Genesis 16 12. 12 He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. In this passage, God instructs Abraham to send Ishmael away assuring him that he will still take care of Ishmael. However, God predicts that Ishmael and his descendants, the Arabs, will be indomitable, like wild animals, residing near their relatives, the descendants of Isaac, the Jews. The verse 12 emphasizes Isaac as the chosen heir to the lands of Canaan, which would later become modern-day Israel, making him the son of promise.
In this next passage God says to him to take his only son, that is, God never accepted Ishmael as Abraham's heir, because he was stubborn and did not wait for God's promise. Genesis 22, 1 and 2. 1 And it came to pass after these things, that God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. 2 And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. God commanded Abraham to offer his son up as a sacrifice in the land of Moriah. He traveled three days, and when he prepared his son to give him in sacrifice, Isaac asked his father where the animal for the burnt offering was, to which Abraham replied, God will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. Just as Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, he was interrupted by the angel of the Lord, and he saw behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, which he sacrificed instead of his son. Note. At that time, because of idolatry, it was common for children to be given in sacrifice to other gods. The Holocaust was seen as a covenant with God for the purification of the sins, but God never asked for children in sacrifice, only animals. Everyone who sinned had to sacrifice a pure and flawless animal to purify themselves. God put him on this situation only to show that we need to put God in first place in our lives. Even the family comes after God because each life belongs to him and not to us. Sarah died at 127 years old. After her death, Abraham sent for a bride for Isaac, Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, Laban's sister. Rebekah married Isaac and received a prophecy from God while she was pregnant. He said, the older would serve the younger, its statement, one people will be stronger than the other, so she gave birth to Esau and Jacob, and they were twins and Esau was redhead, Jacob was born holding Esau's heel. While they were children, Jacob offered to give Esau a bowl of stew in exchange for his birthright, the right to be recognized as firstborn, and Esau agreed. They grew up, and Esau became a brave hunter, while Jacob helped his parents in all tasks. Isaac became blind in his old age and decided to bestow the blessing of the firstborn upon Esau. But Rebekah thought that Isaac's blessing should go to Jacob, so she had a plan, and she dressed him in Esau's garments and laid goatskins on his arms and neck to simulate hairy skin. Isaac didn't notice the difference, and then he blessed him with the heaven's dew, the earth's fatness, and rulership over many nations as well as his brother. When Esau came back and found out what happened, he was filled with hatred toward Jacob for taking away both his birthright and his blessing, and he wanted revenge against Jacob. Rebekah sent Jacob to her brother's house, Laban. When he got there, Jacob fell in love with Rachel and asked Laban to marry her, and as a dowry, he would work for her for seven years. After seven years, Laban saw his business thrive at Jacob's hands, and his greed made him set up a plan to deceive Jacob. He made sure Jacob got very drunk and gave Leah, his eldest daughter, to sleep with him instead of Rachel. When Jacob woke up he was furious, but as he loved Rachel very much he decided to work for her for another seven years. At that time, Jacob rejected Leah. God told Jacob to leave Laban's house and return to Canaan. He went with all his treasures, cattle, etc., because Jacob prospered on everything he touched, and God was always with him. Rachel stole her father's idols. So Laban went after them but found nothing, so they made a covenant that they would never step on each other's land again. Jacob was very afraid of being killed by his brother Esau, who hated him. When he learned that his brother was coming to meet him with 400 men, he sent his family down another way, 
and he spent the night alone, fasting and asking God to spare him. Then the Lord, Jesus, appeared, and Jacob fought with him to be blessed. The Lord then asked his name and Jacob answered. The Lord said, From now on you will call yourself Israel, and blessed him. Jacob met his brother Esau after all those years, and Esau forgave him. Jacob went to Salem, modern-day Jerusalem, built an altar for God there, and called him the God of Israel. Dinah, his daughter, wanted to get to know the city, so she went to Shechem and met the town's prince, he invited her to a party. She attended, he raped her, when she returned home her brothers were furious and promised to take revenge. The other day the prince went to Jacob and proposed to her, Jacob accepted the marriage. However, only if all the city's men were circumcised. Then Simeon and Levi planned to attack the city, while the men were recovering. They killed everyone in the city and plundered it. Jacob was very disappointed with his sons and decided to leave the city. Rachel became pregnant again and gave birth to Benjamin, but she died in childbirth. Jacob met Isaac again, who died at 180 years old. Thus were born the twelve tribes of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Benjamin, Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh sons of Joseph later split into two, half-tribes. Joseph was Jacob's most beloved son because he was the son of his old age, and his brothers did not like him. Jacob made a long and colorful tunic, at that time, it was meant to be for his favorite son, so his brothers began to hate Joseph more and more, to the point of treating him poorly. Joseph's tunic was not merely a gift but a deliberate choice by Jacob to bestow the birthright blessing upon him, the right to be recognized as firstborn, despite not being the eldest. This blessing included a double portion of the inheritance, and as a result, Joseph's two sons were reckoned among the tribes of Israel. God was with Joseph because he was the only one of the brothers who feared him, so he began to talk to Joseph through dreams. Joseph said, Brothers, listen to my dream, we were tying bundles of wheat, and my bundle rose and stood up when my bundle rose your bundles bowed before it. Listen to the second dream I had. This time, the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed before me. It was God revealing his own story. One day Jacob asked Joseph to check out what his brothers were doing. When the brothers saw him from far, they got outraged, and Simeon urged them to throw Joseph into the hole and kill him. Reuben did not agree with them to kill him, but they threw him into the hole anyway, and left him there. At the end of the day a caravan of Ishmaelite was passing by, and Judah gave the idea that they sold Joseph as a slave for twenty shekels of silver, and they did it. Then they returned home and lied to Jacob that they found Joseph's tunic full of blood on the way, so Jacob thought a wild beast had killed him. Note. God punished them later, but Judah suffered the most for betraying his brother. God took away his two sons and his wife. However, he later had two more children with his widowed daughter-in-law Tamar, called Perez and Zerah. From them the tribe of Judah was formed. Jesus was the descent of Perez, and the term Jur originates from the tribe of Judah, being the only tribe of Israel that was preserved from mischaracterization after the invasion of the Assyrians. While the other tribes were forcibly mixed with the pagan people, the descendants of Judah kept their traditions during the Babylonian exile. Thus, it can be said that not all primitive Israelites could be considered Jews in the ethnic sense, so they were called Hebrews before that. Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave. 
he traveled to Egypt and was sold there to Pharaoh's captain of the guard, Potiphar. Joseph prospered in everything he did. His father taught him to read and write, at that time, very few people knew. Potiphar was impressed with him and put him as the administrator of his house. Joseph was very handsome, so Potiphar's wife began to desire him, but Joseph was faithful to God and did not fall for it, so one day, when they were alone at home she grabbed him, but he fled, she got angry and accused him of harassment. Potiphar was very fond of Joseph, but sent him to prison anyway because of her. God was with Joseph, he earned everyone's sympathy, and Joseph ended up in charge of the other prisoners. One day, the baker and the butler ended up in prison, and Joseph interpreted their dreams. Two years later, Pharaoh had two disturbing dreams. No one in the whole of Egypt knew the meaning of this, so the butler remembered Joseph, and Pharaoh asked for him. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams by saying that the seven fat cows would be seven years of prosperity, and skinny cows would be seven years of drought all over the earth. So Joseph gave Pharaoh advice to store food during the prosperity times so that he could have during the tough times. Pharaoh was so pleased that he recognized that God was with Joseph, and he put Joseph in the position of governor of Egypt. Only Pharaoh was above Joseph. That day Pharaoh gave Azanath to him as his wife and changed Joseph's name to Zaphnath Pania which means, God saves, he lives. Note If the butler would remember Joseph before, he'd be one more Pharaoh's employee, but God made the butler remember him at the right time. So if you think that God forgot about you, he's only waiting the right time for you to be remembered. Joseph went to bed as a slave and woke up as a governor. God can change your history overnight. Time passed, and everything Joseph said happened. He stored food in the barns, and his wife gave birth to Manasseh and Ephraim. The famine hit Joseph's family in Canaan. Israel then sent the ten sons who betrayed Joseph to buy food in Egypt. Although, Israel did not allow Benjamin to go there for fear of losing him since it was a long trip. Joseph immediately recognized the brothers but did not recognize him. They all bowed before Joseph, as God had revealed to him in a dream. Joseph asked where they were from, and they answered, so Joseph said, It's a lie. You came here to spy and threw them into prison for three days. They said, We are all sons of the same man named Israel. We are twelve brothers one died and the youngest is with our father. Joseph said, If this is true bring me the younger brother, and to ensure that you will come back, one of you will be left behind. They agreed but talked to each other that God was punishing them for what they did to Joseph. As they spoke Hebrew, Joseph understood everything they said, so he left and cried. When he returned, he arrested Simeon and ordered them to carry on all the supplies, back to Canaan. When they arrived, they begged Israel to let Benjamin go, but Israel resisted a lot, so Reuben promised he would bring him back. The brothers returned to Egypt and bowed down again at Joseph's feet. They brought Benjamin and many gifts to him. So Joseph organized a banquet. After this, he ordered his servants to organize the sacks and put a silver cup in Benjamin's sack. He wanted to test the brothers to make sure if they had changed. So his servant ran to them and said, Why did you pay well with evil? Stealing my lord, they denied it and answered. How could we steal it after so much kindness? If you find something with someone here, this one will die. They searched the sacks, and the cup was found with Benjamin as planned, and they got desperate. Judah said God brought our sins to light, now we are all your slaves. Joseph answered, Only the youngest will be my slave, so Judah said, My father loves Benjamin very much, the boy who stole the cup. If he doesn't come back with us, my father will die crying. Judah asked that he be kept in Benjamin's place as a slave. 
Joseph couldn't contain himself and began to cry, and said, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? The brothers were so shocked that they couldn't answer. Now, do not be afflicted or guilty yourselves for having sold me here because it was to save the lives that God sent me before you. There have already been two years of famine in the land, and there will be no cultivation or harvest in the next five years. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve our descendants on this earth and to save your lives with great deliverance. So it wasn't you who sent me here, but God himself. He made me Pharaoh's minister, the administrator of the whole palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. Joseph hugged and cried with each of his brothers and sent them to bring his father with all the flocks, grandchildren, and possessions they owned and bring everything to Egypt because the famine would still last five more years. The brothers returned and told their father that Joseph was alive and the governor of all of Egypt. Israel's heart almost stopped. He said, Enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Israel left with everything he had, and when he saw his son, he hugged him and cried a lot. So Joseph's family lived in the best region of Egypt. Jacob lived for 17 years in Egypt, and when he died, his brothers were still afraid and wrote a letter to Joseph. Before our father died, he asked you to forgive us, because we treated you with great wickedness, so now please forgive our sin. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, saving many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Genesis 50-19-21. Leviticus 19-18-18 Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Note. God had a plan in Joseph's life, and through him, God saved many lives by keeping food for everyone. He also forgave the unforgivable. This shows how God can generate well in the midst of the suffering and hostility of the world, and how sometimes we are vindictive, and we do not want to forgive little things. While Joseph forgave a great evil they did to him, forgiveness is liberating, and as God's Word says, he will only forgive us if we forgive the other people, from the bottom of our heart, even those who have done us harm, no matter how many times. Because if we seek for revenge, we bring curses to our life instead of blessings. Check out Abraham's family tree in the text. 400 years have passed, and Joseph's memory remained in the past. Unlike Pharaoh, who was very good to Joseph, Another pharaoh was in charge, and he was evil in person. Israel's descendants became slaves for all those years because they forgot God. The Israelites became so many that Pharaoh Ramses II was afraid they would rebel against Egypt, so he had all the Hebrew male babies killed. However, a woman who did not want to lose her son put him in a basket and put him in the river, knowing that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing nearby, his name was Moses. Pharaoh's daughter saw him and adopted him, he grew up like a prince, and by Pharaoh's son's side, they were like brothers. When he was 40 years old, Moses decided to visit his Israeli brothers and saw a slave being beaten. He took a stone and killed the Egyptian officer. Knowing about the punishment Pharaoh would give him, he fled to Midian, present-day Saudi Arabia. A few years later, Moses got married, and one day, when he was shepherding the flock, a bush began to catch fire but did not burn, and from there a voice came, it was the voice of God, and announced that he was the chosen one to free his people from slavery, 
and take them to the promised land, Canaan, Israel. Moses was afraid and said, How will I do for Pharaoh to free our people? And God said I would be with you. Forty years later, Moses then returned to Egypt and got reunited with his family, his blood brothers Aaron and Miriam. Moses and Aaron went to the palace, the new Pharaoh was happy to see Moses again because they had grown up together, but Moses had news that they would not please Pharaoh, he said the only living God commanded the people to worship him for three days in the desert, but Pharaoh denied it, got angry, and made the slaves work even harder. Moses returned and asked Pharaoh to let the people go, or God would send ten plagues that would devastate the Egyptians, all plagues affected only the Egyptians and not the Hebrews. These were the plagues. The river turned to blood, frogs, lice, flies, pestilence of livestock, festering boils broke out on Egyptians, the thunderstorm of hail and fire, locusts, darkness for three days, and the last was the death of all the firstborns. Moses then warned everyone to sacrifice a lamb and pass the blood on the doorposts, so the angel of death would take only the firstborn of those who did not follow his instructions. He also instructed them to bake the lamb and make unleavened bread to take on the trip. All this ritual was called Pesach, Passover. Or as we know, Easter. No. This is the real Passover, not the one we celebrate with chocolate eggs. Jesus was a Jew and celebrated Passover. Easter with unleavened bread, the lamb, yes, he ate meat, the wine that represents the blood of the lamb, and bitter herbs that represent the bitterness of slavery of the ancestors. While the commercial Easter or pagan began in Babylon with Semiramis, but gained strength due to the Romans, they worshipped the goddess of fertility Estray. Easter, and the rabbits, colored eggs, was meaning of fertility, rebirth, and resurrection after Rome adopted Christianity as a religion, they mix paganism with the actual Jewish Passover. And today we have another holiday distorted by the Roman Church. What we must do is celebrate Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, but not with chocolate eggs, but with prayer and thanksgiving. Because if you celebrate the way the pagans did, you will end up bringing curses to your life instead of blessings, because you will be acting against the Word of God. Also, Jesus celebrated the last Passover with his disciples, called the Last Supper. The command he left to us is to celebrate communion with our brothers and sisters in memory of him. But always, not only during the Easter holiday, the word Easter appears in the KJV translation, but in the Greek from which it is translated, it is Pasha, and it means Passover, from the Hebrew word Pesach. All scholars admit that this is an error in translation, and it only appears once, in Acts 12.4. Luke, who wrote almost 40% of the writings in the New Testament, didn't put it there as Easter, he wrote it as Pesach, Passover. The KJV is the only one with this error since translators have since corrected it in all others. Do you know why they passed the blood specifically on the doorposts? The Egyptian people used to make inscriptions on the doorposts with the name of the gods who supposedly protected their houses, so God commanded the people of Israel to pass the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. They were announcing and declaring that the God of Israel was the only God who protects and guard their homes, just as the blood of the Lamb, 
that is Jesus protects us to this day. When the angel of death passed through all of Egypt, he killed all the firstborns, including Pharaoh's only son. He was devastated by the death of his son, and he called Moses and gave permission for him and his people to leave Egypt. The Egyptians gave many treasures to the Hebrews, and they left Egypt. God took them down a path where they did not have to meet other people and go to war because, despite all the miracles, the people still doubted. During the day, a pillar of cloud guided God's people, and during the night, a pillar of fire. Pharaoh was very angry and decided to take revenge, he summoned his entire army and went after the Hebrews. When the Hebrews saw the Egyptians coming toward them, they said to Moses, Did you bring us here to die? Moses then prayed, and God told him to extend his rod under the waters, and then came a great wind that divided the waters, and the Hebrews were able to cross the Red Sea safely. When they reached the other side, Moses stretched out his rod again and the sea closes down on the pursuing Egyptians, drowning them all. Moses guided the children of Israel to Mount Sinai, where he received the Ten Commandments and Laws of God. He spent a long time on the mountain talking with God. Meanwhile, the Israelites began to be anxious because of Moses's delay, and some of them thought he would not return. They began to ask Aaron for a leader, so they had the unfortunate idea of creating a golden calf to worship. In Egypt the most people were pagan and worship statues, so they decided to make this image by saying that the golden calf was the God of Israel. God told Moses to return quickly because the people had become corrupted in idolatry. When Moses returned and saw the golden calf, he threw the tablets of stone on the ground with the Ten Commandments, and they were broken. Moses destroyed the golden calf and turned it into dust, and then he returned to the mountain and asked forgiveness for what the people did, which softened the wrath of God. But still, God punished them by keeping them for forty years in the wilderness, and warned that only their descendants would see the promised land due to their lack of faith and worship of a statue. God told Moses that he would send an angel ahead to drive out his enemies from Canaan, Israel, lands, then gave him other tablets with the written commandments on both sides, and reaffirmed the covenant with the people of Israel, and then God gave Moses these ten commandments.